Today on the show, I'm happy to have Mike Aronow. He's the founder of Amplifier. They help you amplify your growth. And we were just talking about sometimes people think they're ready, but they're not actually. They don't have all their sales tools in place. So what have you experienced in your own business and what are you doing for people with theirs? Yeah, thanks, Chad. We partner with a wide variety of businesses. A lot of them are startups and some are even Fortune 1000 companies. But something that I've found in common, and I made the same mistake, is you've got a great product. It feels like the product market fit is there. You've got strong, uh, a strong story. Great. Let's go. And I've been in that situation where because of a Rolodex, we've been able to say, awesome, uh, a major bank is ready to go. They're ready to advertise. And what we found is there's, it's like when the dog catches the car and doesn't know what to do, right? We got this client, but what's the handoff? How does the process actually work? And what ends up happening, and we changed our company policy as a result, is instead of having a, an ad hoc approach, we insist now on an audit. And that audit is to set up what might sound like the boring stuff, but it's so essential. It's really ensuring you have a sales capability that can scale and sustain. And it's everything from, sure, you have a product market fit, you know who you are, but also, why are you different? Because there's a lot of people that are doing similar things. Why are you uniquely positioned to help? What are the sales discovery questions that you're asking? How are you handling objections? Do you have collateral? Is it fully productized? What's the deal handoff, you know, from sales to account management? Is there account management? All these elements are incredibly important from getting something from the 10 or five yard line to a deal. And then just as importantly, even if you do get to a deal to ensure that it, uh, retention is strong as well. So what, what's like the first few steps somebody needs to take if they're just building out their sales process? I ask them to, and usually we participate in this, but whether we're doing it or not, pretend that you're onboarding yourself, right? So this is a company that already exists and you're a new employee and you're onboarding. What would you give them? Okay, who are we? And mission statement, all that's great, but quite literally, who are you? The old elevator pitch, right? Can you clearly explain that? Can you then make that modular based on the verticals that you're going after? So what's your ideal customer profile? Not only at the persona level and decision maker level, but by vertical. And so if you know that the entertainment vertical is a fit, what's the elevator pitch for the entertainment vertical and so on and so forth. That's a great place to start. Who are we? What problem do we solve? How are we uniquely positioned to succeed? Because there's so many people take programmatic, for example. We have a proprietary algorithm that's not differentiated enough. So really, how are you truly differentiated? And then how does that come to life in the way that you talk about it? Can you, if you were employee number one, teach yourself to answer those questions? Great place to start. So within your own business, what did you find was the big shift when you got a few things in place? Oh, at, at first you're, and obviously we did our due diligence to make sure there was product market fit, but until you're actually in it, that's the most anxiety-producing piece. It's, I think this is great. I've got, I pressure-tested it with friends and trusted folks. I've even got a few friendlies in. But when we put this out to the world at scale, is it going to resonate? And a few, there's a few things that did it for us. One is we're very data-oriented. 
I have a background, 20 years of building and leading sales organizations. The first eight years I was at CBS and so it was much more content. And then the last 10 years before Amplifier was data and programmatic. So very data centric. And I have my co-founder is amazing at data and analytics. Our head data scientist is the former head of research uh, for Group M, largest media buying company in the world. So you put those minds together and the art and science of sales and understanding and seeing what's resonating along with things like how is cold outreach doing? If we're A, being messaging and subjects and products, what is it that's resonating and where are we losing people? Allows you to really craft and get out. If the audit produces baseline assumptions that you're able to go into market with and you know that it's strong enough, doing what I just explained and actually testing, learning, failing, allows you to get a clear understanding of, okay, great, let's double down here. Let's phase X, Y, and Z strategy out, or at least deprioritize it. And this made it so you're providing more of a custom solution based on the client you're speaking with. Always. I think one of the, uh, talk about mistakes, and I think a very common one is we, the company, need to do X, Y, and Z because it's Q3. Because the board needs to see so-and-so. Because we're under the gun. And all those are real pressures. But if they eclipse the needs of the client, it's the death spiral. And then you're selling for the month that you're in. You're always playing from behind. And I would rather, and it's brutal. I, we, I think any sales leader or, or C-suite leader can attest to this. It's brutal. But I'd rather have two to three awful months that were spent doing nothing but planting seeds for the future and being able to say to clients, I don't believe in an artificial timeline. What makes sense for you? Rather than, oh, you got to get in now because, because they can sense from a mile away. That's me. I need that. If it's about what they need, the trust is earned, the long-term partnership is there. And then as bad as those two to three months are, you'll have, and I, I could attest to this, record-setting months that offset it in the long run, certainly in the long run, but even within a given year. That's tough for the salesperson, isn't it? Very tough. Very tough. A sale, look, it's tough for everybody, right? Because revenue is what feeds everybody at the organization, but it's tough for an individual contributor. And what I've always said is see the forest through the trees, as difficult as that is. It's a long career. It's a long year. And if you plant those seeds of trust where it, you really are prioritizing them and you're not force-fitting something that doesn't work because, man, that would be great for us and we'd hit our number. You're really making sure that it's tailored to them. It just always pays off. I've really never seen somebody stick to that with the right commitment and not have it yield fruit. doesn't mean it's easy, but it, it, if you're willing to put in that commitment, that's part of sales. So within your own business and you do this, what do you see uh, as far as, let's say, a client comes back? Could it be like six months, nine months, two years later? Like, how does it look? After your, uh, if something has gone poorly? If you've planted those seeds of trust. and oh, maybe there's God, got it. Yeah, if something's gone poorly, I, I was going to say you're in the penalty box for a year plus. I, I've been delighted over the years at how quick it can happen. Now, it doesn't mean it always will. But I always say, okay, go out. Make a great impression, have them like you, trust you, and have a sense that we're putting their needs first. Good things will happen. And they'll say, oh, we're planned out for the year. 
or, or it really won't work. If you've checked those boxes, I've seen many times within a week, within a few days, they go, you know what? Some incremental just uh, opened up. Or if it's programmatic, you know what? Our worst performing partner, we're looking to replace them. Or actually, I was socializing this and there might be some interest where I can introduce you. I would love to tell you that happens 100% of the time. It doesn't, but it's happened enough where it is really sound advice. And then in terms of, of kind of an average, I think a few months is totally fair. It requires follow-up and it requires the right kind of follow-up, low-pressure follow-up, follow-up where you're actually providing value as opposed to just staying on top of your inbox, want to stay on your radar. That doesn't, it's fine. Some people appreciate a reminder, but I would much rather do a little bit of due diligence and say, hey, I saw X, Y, and Z about your company. Congratulations, that's really cool. Let me know when it's a good time uh, to reconnect. And also ask, even if they say we're planned out, I always say, hey, no problem. When would be a good time you know, to reconnect? And th they'll tell you. And they'll say three months, six months, next month. Do that. Have it on whatever task management system you use. So you don't have to remember. You just put it in there. And make sure that, again, you're providing some sort of value. So this is the patient approach. Yeah, yeah, it is. Look, I've seen amazing sellers do exceptionally well with the bulldozer approach. I have. My, it's not my approach. My instinct is that ultimately the longer standing partnerships, the, the higher value partnerships, truly in monetary terms, tend to perform better, especially over time. And I think having at this point, which amazes me sometimes that it's been 20 years, but having 20 years of experience and just looking back and seeing, because I've done, tried every technique you can imagine. And I thought, all right, sure. Bulldozing has led to short-term wins. Sometimes it's led to, to great long-term wins. Again, there's sellers that you just can't rein them in. And, and they're great at what they do and their clients still love them for it. But I think in general, the more partner-centric approach is the one that yields the most dividends. Yeah, so bulldozers versus the patient approach. And uh, your assessment is that over the long term, the patient approach yields stronger relationships and even maybe greater revenues. I, I, yeah, I do. And I also think one of the reasons is people say it, but it's so true. It's a small industry. I've had instances where I've done a pitch. I thought it was great. I was confused that the, the, I thought I was getting along great with the decision maker. And they were like, yeah, it's not really uh, great. I, uh, or, or we're not going to uh, do that. I get a call or an email a week, month later. Yeah, I switched jobs. And by the way, when we talked, I knew I was switching jobs. I'm actually super interested in bringing it over here. That's one scenario. Another is you worked with somebody over a long period of time, always been a great trusted partner. They go somewhere else. They take you with them. And referrals. And I'll tell you, one of the things that really blew me away was when we started doing the sales audit, which I didn't know how it'd be received. Again, you got to, it's trial and error because I said it was mandatory. I thought some people might say, I don't want to, you know, go through that. We got so many referrals just on that piece alone. I was used to getting referrals after I would ask once we'd produce X amount of revenue. They so enjoyed that piece of, of the process that I got business referred just through that partnership approach.
Yeah, it's amazing. The audit makes a lot of sense, right? You're really finding the issues within, within the organization, what they need. Yeah. And, and providing alignment and making sure that it's not about ego and yeah. that it's just, and also recognizing they know the intricacies of their own business better than I do. Yeah. It's their baby. They understand it. So really it's our job to help and every responsible sellers to bring that story to life in a way that resonates with the right audience. And that includes, I always say a good partner tells you when you have something stuck in your teeth, yeah. is it price wrong? It's okay if it's priced wrong, if you're going time and time again, and yeah. you've had success in your career and everyone's saying it's priced too high. That's something that you should tell management. If it's selling almost too quickly, maybe you've anchored too low. So that kind of feedback and dialogue, really always ensuring there's a strong market feedback loop is essential. And sometimes, again, going back to a version of that central mistake, it's what do we need to do? We have a number to hit. We have stakeholders to please. Absolutely. Yes. But the most important thing that you can do is the right activity. Because one, you're showing that it's something tangible. And also it's what I believe yields the best results. So what size business is the right to go through your system and how can they get in touch? Great question. And it's funny. I, I used to say predominantly startups and startups, 60% of our business. We've been fortunate enough as over the last four years that we also work with uh, billion dollar publicly traded companies too. So here's what they have in common. It's they need help with sales, with revenue. And that could be a huge company that says, you know what? We're down quarter over quarter. It could be a huge company that says, we have a new product. We, we just bought a new company and it's effectively a startup within larger organization. Or it could be a startup that says, you know what? I've got everything that I need, but I really don't want to pay for a full sales team. If I could get a fractional chief revenue officer and a team of people across multiple disciplines, sales, data and analytics, content and creative and uh, account management that really know what they're doing will act as an extension of my team. It's a great partnership and a really good model. Great. Oh, and they touch with us at amplifier.com. It's amplifier with a Y. So make sure to check that out, everybody. And thank you, Mike, for coming on the show and everybody for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a five-star review or smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.